I think if you're a single entrepreneur, just do the things that you love and you'll naturally meet somebody, um, whether it's online or in person. You're back for a second episode. We're back. So the first time we did an episode was when it was the boyfriend reveal and we had just started dating and I know people were going crazy over it because I was like private, not secret for a while. And now you're back. I'm back to answer some juicy questions. What are you most excited for? I'm just excited to answer the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus is like, oh, she's making me do this again. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay, so I put on my story. I wanted to hear from you guys. I got a lot of questions, um, even like some clients and stuff. So first question is, what does your boyfriend do? And are you both entrepreneurs? Well, we're both entrepreneurs for sure. Um, I run a Twitter marketing agency and they know what you do, but uh, we've made it work for two years. We kind of actually, we both started doing completely different things. So when we rekindled in 2021, 2021, 2020, 2020, you could hear the story in the first episode, but um, I was starting Crow Drone, a drone photography business, got my drone pilot's license and everything, crashed and burned. And you were doing e-commerce. So completely different things back then, but we kind of went through the trials and tribulations together. So, And I started my business only a year ago, and you've kind of been on the same business for about two years, two and a half. So thinking back to that e-commerce, like you had done some e-commerce in the past. So you were helping me out with that a little bit too, right? I've done a lot of businesses, but yeah. So I started, I started online business when I was 19 and I started day trading. And then you know, once everyone who's probably watching has done this, but you go down the rabbit hole and you Google all the different online businesses. But one of those was drop shipping, like Shopify drop shipping. Um, I tried that. I tried Amazon drop shipping. Tried Amazon FBA. Tried Facebook drop shipping. I've done them all. Some successful, some not so successful. Um, but yeah, one of the many, many, many failures that I have tried over the past six, seven years. How has the market changed from how to make money online businesses then versus now? I think saturated is not the correct word. I think there's just more competition. I don't think anything's ever really saturated. Um, like a lot of times people get discouraged and they blame saturation, but in reality, it's just a competitive market and you have to find something different. So like even e-commerce, right? Like we both know people who are doing e-commerce successfully today, but the landscape has changed so much. They require different things. Maybe they require more capital, more expertise, um, et cetera. So even with like, uh, for my marketing agency, right, I started, I've, I've actually had three marketing agencies. So I had an Amazon, Amazon PPC agency, which is pay-per-click ads. And it was called Atroclis. And I also had an IT content marketing agency, which I don't even think I got as far as getting a name. Um, and both failed, but both could have succeeded if I just stuck to them. Because in reality, if you just stick to one thing, you go through enough trial and error and you'll go through enough iteration and enough innovation to the point where you'll figure out the answers and you will kind of get your competitive advantage. And that's where you rise above saturation and become part of the 1%. You answered my next question, which was going to be, what is the biggest learning lesson from trying so many businesses? Because I feel like in my experience, even though I've stuck with growing a business out of my personal brand, you've helped me a lot because you've seen a lot of up and downs from starting with Forex trading and every how to make money online under the sun to where you are now having a stable agency that's growing month after month. 
What was the original question? Biggest learning lesson. Oh, yeah. No, the biggest learning. I said this on the other podcast I was just on, which is uh, stick to one thing. It's so hard. It's so easy to jump from thing to thing and you get discouraged because it doesn't work right away. Uh, but the reality is if you just stick to one thing, um, you'll probably succeed, even if the opportunity vehicle isn't as great as maybe the next one. So like we all get shiny object syndrome. We jump from thing to thing. And I told you about that tweet I saw today by Jeremy Haynes, who's another big marketer. And it was sometimes the opportunity vehicle, you could get a shiny object syndrome for another opportunity and it might be a better opportunity, but the compound interest of sticking to one thing would be far greater than jumping to a slightly better opportunity. So it's really just sticking to one thing. And I think you did that well over the past two or so years, which is why you've succeeded. It's because you've stuck to it for so long, posting three times a day, two to three times a day for literally like 800 days in a row. So it's crazy. Like most 99.99% of people wouldn't do that. So sticking to one thing is the advice. And what would you recommend to somebody who has shiny object syndrome? Because you've really helped me with that, even though you've bounced around a lot. And I think you helping me stay focused on what's really important has supported me in more ways than you know. So what would you say to someone listening who understands, yeah, I have shiny object syndrome, but now what? I think we're all different speed. Like we have a different speed of learning. I'm a very slow learner. So it took me half a decade, right, to figure it out. Um, but I just had to figure it out on my own. Some people learn from experience and some people can just be told and they can apply it right away. So for me, I had to learn it by falling on my face. Whereas maybe like you, you could just take the word and, and apply it. So everybody's a little bit different, number one. Um, number two, I think like a more practical uh, advice is to pick something that you are already doing and something that you enjoy. So for me, right, and you know this when, when you first met me, I already spent eight hours a day on Twitter, on Twitter nonstop. You used to get mad at me for being on Twitter too, like, too much. Remember when you deleted Twitter? I literally del yeah, I had to delete Twitter <laughs> to try and save my relationship. It was never that serious, but I really did want to change and I wanted to like get off social media and not be so addicted to it. And I quickly realized that if my strength is being able to use Twitter and understand the platform and understand the culture to flip that into a business. So I have a marketing degree. Um, I had already two other tries at marketing agencies and I was already, I knew the ins and outs of Twitter. So, and then when Elon Musk bought it, um, all of the stones kind of fell into place. So that's why, that's how I turned my strength into or sorry, my weakness into a strength and, and started a business out of it. So I think picking something that you already do could be the way. I, I think you kind of did that with uh, Poshmark. It's like when you first started, it's COVID, you didn't really have money, you were in debt, and then you already were so into clothes and fashion and you knew all the prices already. You knew what everything went for. You were probably buying stuff on Poshmark before mm -hmm. you were selling stuff, right? No, I never bought anything. Oh, really? Well, still. You turned your fashion experience. You worked at that boutique in the Hamptons before. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of knew the ins and outs of fashion and clothing. And you turned that into, uh, into a strength and did the Poshmark thing. So it was like natural, right? Instead of trying to learn something completely out of the ordinary, something that's out of your comfort zone, dive into something that's maybe closer to home. And I think it's easier to stick to it that way. So what's the secret? How do you grow a successful agency in 2023? You have to be good. <laughs> you have to be good at it. You Please have, elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it's there's no secret sauce. There's nothing there's nothing to there's no tactic. Like maybe back in the day, like 
2016, 2017, you could outsource the work or you could find some elaborate scheme and do it like drop arbitrage, white label. I know a lot of people talk about that. You can't do that anymore. You have to get results. And if you can get results, then you can have an agency. It doesn't matter where it is, even if it's not even an online marketing. It could be anything. It could be cold email. It could be cold calling. It could be so many things. Right? You have to get results. Just like if you go and clean somebody's window, if the window is not clean, you're not going to get repeat business. It's the same thing with an agency. So the most important thing is to learn the skill and then start the agency. So like, for me, having the skill made it pretty easy to have the agency because you get results and then you get social proof because people are giving you testimonials. They're saying, thank you for this. Thank you for that. I made so much money. I got so many followers, X, Y, and Z. You can then flip that into case studies and social proof, which you post online and then get more clients and it's like an endless flywheel. So it all starts with getting results. So learning a high income skill and then turning that into an agency and you could just be a freelancer and make great money. You can make six figures as a freelancer, um, be a high paid freelancer, or you can take it a step further and start an agency and have a team like me. Let's backtrack a little bit because you said you have to be good. But what I noticed is that you said, I learned a skill before I grew my agency. And I think a lot of what we see online and even a lot of people who try to join my programs and be a part of, you know, my, my course, they want to fast forward to having the successful agency, having the successful business without the skill. So can you talk about how you learned the skill of ghostwriting before you started your marketing agency for Twitter? Yeah. Well, a lot of people want to jump in, right. And charge a bunch of money right off, right off the rip. But the reality is, especially as the landscape gets more competitive, I was pretty lucky. I started in a pretty unsaturated market. Um, and that was only a year ago. But even then I had started on Upwork and I had the, I'll call it humility, I guess, because I was making money before I started my agency, right? Like I had gotten some good success in Facebook dropshipping. I had some good success in crypto and trading. Um, but even in this skill, I started on Upwork and I was doing 10, 25, $50 blogs, uh, eBooks, etc., cetera, um, off of Upwork. And then I landed my first client on Upwork for a thousand LinkedIn ghostwriting. Um, it was like tweet or sorry, LinkedIn posts, blogs, eBooks, etc. I took that, went on Twitter. It kind of all fell into place. I was actually learning copywriting, which I then extrapolated into ghostwriting. Um, I learned Twitter ghostwriting, which I, like I said, I had been on Twitter since 2011. I got on like seventh or eighth grade. So I knew the platform really well. And then when Elon Musk bought it, kind of made sense because um, like advice that I, I got from Ty Lopez back in maybe like 2018 is that if you can combine two trends, you are going to be in a great place to grow a business. So for me, those two trends, the one trend was education. So I only work with education, coaching businesses, consulting businesses, et cetera. And then the other trend at the time, it was nothing, but once Twitter was bought by Elon Musk, you kind of put two and two together. If Elon Musk is buying it, it's probably going to do something, do really well. Uh, at the time, the masses were saying, like, it's not going to do well. But when you look at his track record and you kind of think of the publicity around it, it's like, it's going to do really well. Maybe businesses are going to be rushing to come onto Twitter because Elon Musk bought it. And that's what ended up happening. So I combined those two trends. Um, and I actually got free trials on Twitter ghostwriting. So I think, I don't know if you remember this, I had two or three free trials. I was doing cold DMs a lot. Like I was sending like maybe 50 cold DMs a day. And I had landed some free trials with all sorts of businesses. They didn't turn out too well, but I did get 
good testimonials out of them, like screenshots, social proof that I could post on the timeline. Um, and that led to my first 1K a month client, which then led to my first 3K a month client and so on. And then kind of built it up that way and then just hired people and now I have a team. Kind of skipped to the end there. <laughs> I forgot the original question. Fast forward a bit. So the next question we have is, does he ever help you with your business? And would you ever go into business together? Twofold question. I don't know. Do I? Are you asking me to answer? <laughs> of course I'm asking you to answer. <laughs> I thought I was the interviewer. <laughs> this isn't an interview. This is a podcast. I think you do help me indirectly. Like, I don't think you are like sitting and writing my captions or anything like that, but you'll review my work. Or if I have a question, I am bugging you to write me a nice Twitter thread to put on my feed because you haven't yet. But I think you help me in more ways than you know, because you have a different approach to business. I think you have a more masculine perspective. And sometimes when I'm too emotional and like too watery, then you can really bring me back and ground me and make a more grounded decision. I also think that you have more of a 30,000 foot view than I do, which is something that we talk about a lot is that you are more of a visionary and I'm more of an executor. And sometimes they can be either a strength or a weakness. So that's yeah. why I think you help me. Well, I guess from there's two points to it. It's like from a more from a broad view, yes, we help each other all the time. You know, we always talk about our businesses and success and mindset and all sorts of things. And just like every other entrepreneur, we go through our shit. So we're always helping each other in that way. I think from a more practical perspective, I work with, you know, our 10 different coaching, consulting, info businesses that are all the same industry as you, uh, coaching businesses, info businesses, course creators, educators, et cetera. So I kind of have that perspective that I work on 10 of the businesses. So I have a lot of expertise that could be applied to you. And then vice versa, like even the other day, I asked you if you could um, send me a copy of your onboarding, right? So then I could then use that for a client. So I would say it's helped accelerate both of our success a lot, being able to have twice as much brain power in the same industry, even with the, uh, even with coaching programs that we invest in, like I've invested 20 grand plus into coaching businesses or sorry, coaching programs and mentors and all sorts of things. And you as well. Um, and we get those answers. So we never invest in the same ones. We invest in different ones. So we actually get twice as much information, twice as much education, and then in turn, twice as much experience. Um, so I think it's a win. You're going to say something? Yeah. I wish more people thought deeply about the person they're going to be with or choose to be with for a long-term committed relationship. Because one thing I found from being in a relationship together now almost three years, is that we have so many of the same values. And I think, at least for me, I took a lot of time to think about before we started dating, what do I want in a relationship? Because it's a lot deeper than, oh, who am I going to you know, go out with on the weekends? And who am I going to go on a date with? Like for us having the same goals, the same vision, wanting to travel the world. I mean, people ask me all the time, like, what does your boyfriend do? How is he able to pick up and leave and go to Bali with you? And I think these are the things that most people don't think about is that it was a mutual decision. It was something for the both of us. What's interesting because I feel like since you, since we're on different platforms, like your audience sees you as the main character and sees me as a side character and vice versa. Like I don't even show your face on my social media. A lot of times I'll just block it out. But like we have, we have the same, we have different audiences that see us as the main character. So for you, it's like, how can he pick up and leave with you? But for me, it was like, 
I felt like I picked up and left too, like as a main character, right? I mean, I've wanted to move to Bali for so long. As a digital nomad, like I've been an entrepreneur for five, five, six years. So it's like, if you find someone else that's the main character of their life, you don't really want to be with a side character to your life, in my opinion. Um, I think Hormozy said it well, the, the two dynamics of the relationship. It's the one where you're a team and then the one where you have uh, the quarterback and the cheerleader. And I think they both work well. Um, like quarterback and a cheerleader is the person who'll pick up and leave with you because they're your cheerleader and they're there to support you no matter what. Um, and then the team is, we don't work on the same business together, but um, we work in the same industry and we work side by side and we kind of scale at the same time. So we're always like pretty near each other and we're always working on the same things. So it's kind of nice. And I think maybe one day we will go into business together. I think we will for sure one day, um, just not right now. I agree. The timing has to feel divine. Doesn't feel divine yet. I think like both of us, actually something I've learned from you is I just kind of want it when it comes easy, like not really to think so deeply into it, but wait until an opportunity presents itself and then jump on it. Like maybe in the past I had jumped on things too quickly. Like, you know, when we first met, right? Like, oh, we're entrepreneurs. Like, let's just do something together. But that would have been more of like an emotional decision rather than it really making sense or an opportunity presenting itself where this could be a good partnership. Yeah. I think the values are more important than anything. Like even apart from everything I had just said, I think the values are the most important. I think you can survive if you have the same values. Like for us is traveling the world and working remote was a value that we shared. And obviously we're going to go back to America and not be as remote, but at this time and like we're on the same page in the same chapter on the same seasons at the same time. Like we both were just like, let's go to Thailand. Right. And then we were in Thailand, even like on the party street, we were just like, yeah, this isn't our vibe. We just left. Cause just, we're just not really party people. Those are the values that matter. Is like, I think that's more important than even the dynamic that we had just mentioned. As long as you share the same values, you can kind of get through anything and kind of do anything. From your perspective, how can a woman find a man with the same values as her? Cause I know a lot of women struggle with that. I just got this question on social media. I mean, on uh, the podcast yesterday, which is pretty funny. Part of me wants to say, just travel. If you are, if you want to travel, you travel. And if you want to do business, then do business. And if you just do what you love, you'll naturally come into contact with the people that are doing the things that they love. And then you'll find people with common interests. So for me, like the whole reason that I even reached out to you back then was because you had posted like an affiliate thing. And like, I've done affiliate marketing and you were doing affiliate marketing. So naturally I'm like, I'll use her affiliate link because I know how much it means to have affiliates to get affiliate sales. So just from you putting yourself out there doing the business, I was like, I want to support business because I love business and that's how we kind of got together. So I think if you're just doing what you love, whether it's online or in person, if it's traveling, it's traveling. If it's business, it's business. You'll meet people. Like I go to networking events, you go to networking events. Like I think if you're a single entrepreneur, just do the things that you love and you'll naturally meet somebody, um, whether it's online or in person. That makes a whole lot of sense when you think about it, because people are always like, oh, like, how'd you meet? And especially when I was speaking more about mindset and manifesting, people are thinking you like fell from the sky, which, yeah, it kind of felt like that. But now from a logical standpoint, which I'm happy you shared that it really does make sense because when I put myself out there 
back in the day, 2020, I'm posting affiliate links as an influencer. I was so scared. I was so scared to do that for so long because the only people that followed me were people I knew in my real life, people from my hometown, people from college. For those that haven't listened to the podcast yet, we went to college together. So I think you lose a lot of people in the process of doing what you love, but you also find the right people who are going to stick around. Yeah. Well, it's just math. Like, how do you plan on meeting someone that wants to travel in your hometown? It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Like if you want to travel and meet somebody, the likelihood that you're going to meet someone that wants to travel is far greater if you travel because you will meet people that are also traveling there. Right? Like if you go to Barcelona, like a hot, big tourist city, everyone's traveling to Barcelona. You're going to meet people that travel. If you go to your hometown bar, you're going to meet people that go to the hometown bar. And it's just you got to like do the things that you like to do if you want to meet people that want to do the same things. This is why we work well together. I knew you were going to say that. The logical versus the emotional. It's so true. <laughs> Thank God mostly women listen to this. They're going to have my back on this one. Well, you know what I was thinking too is like, I wonder how Alex and Layla or Mosi managed when they've had Jim Launch, Allen, and they had one other business at the time. I think it was three. Oh, yeah, Prestige Labs. They had three businesses and two of them because now they both work on acquisition. <clears throat> but I feel like back then maybe it was more split. I'm curious how they manage that dynamic because right now we're on two different businesses yeah. in the same industry. But like Allen's was software, Prestige was supplements, and Gym Launch was gyms. So I'm curious if they had like a split or they just all three, they worked on all three at the same time together. It's interesting. Well, sometimes I wonder if we just put our minds together and worked in one direction, will we go farther? What do you think? 100%. But we both have businesses that we love. And we don't love each other's businesses. Like, I wouldn't do your business and you wouldn't do my business. <laughs> and we both have teams that we love. And I wouldn't leave my team and you wouldn't leave your team. So it's just not the right time. Right? Right. <laughs> what are the pros and cons of both being entrepreneurs? I feel like we just talked about all the pros. Okay. Tell so, me some cons. So let's talk cons. Um, schedule. Having schedules that don't line up all the time. <clears throat> is a big con. So a lot of times we're forced to maybe order out because I have meetings from 6 to 9 p.m. and you have a free night. And you're like, let's go out. I have a free night. And I'm saying I have a full schedule of calls tonight. And it's unfortunate. Sometimes we can't even eat together. Sometimes you get dinner at 6 and I have to wait and eat it at 8. Right? Like, happens. <clears throat> I also think that's a Bali thing. To be fair, it's not really a entrepreneur thing because when we're back in America, we're both going to shut off around the same time yeah. and we're going to have lined up schedules because when we were in New York, we had lined up schedules. So, well, not even necessarily because sometimes when I came to your apartment in New York, I would get there and you would be in a meeting or a podcast and I would just be waiting. So that's still a con. It's just having schedules. Things pop up like as an entrepreneur, you can't, maybe as you get up in levels, like now we're being able to control our schedule, but. I would say in the first few years, you if you get an opportunity and you need to jump on a call right away, you're jumping on the call. Mm -hmm. If you have something that's fresh on your mind, you need to finish it, you're finishing it. Same with me. So that's the biggest con, I would say. And then maybe like stress because businesses go through trials and tribulations and you have your ups and downs. It's the meme. We're back. It's over. We're back. It's over. <laughs> Literally just had that. But... um. I might be in a 
I could be at my absolute lowest point and she could be at her absolute highest point and we don't get to plan that. Right. So I have to help you come up from your lowest point while I'm even while I'm at my highest. Like I, I can't be celebrating. Right. And vice versa. I think you can celebrate still. You can, but it's, a, it's in bad taste. Mm hmm. I'd say most of the time that's not the case, but it's happened. Whereas like one person's having a great day and one person's having a terrible day and you just, you help the person with the terrible day. Mm -hmm. I'd say mo that's the extreme. Most of the time we're both in the middle, um, but that happens too. So I'd say those are the two cons for me. I'd also add doing what you love sometimes comes with a price. I don't think enough people talk about that. Are you going to expand? Yeah. Just thinking deeper. When you do what you love and you're just doing it because you love it is one thing. But then when you do what you love and you turn it into a business and you monetize it, it comes another thing. I remember one time you were out to dinner with my family and it was like one of the first times we were all sitting at dinner table together. And you said to my mom, you know, you don't have to always monetize all your passions. And then it really got me thinking. Forgot I said that. I didn't really got me thinking. And I think that could actually be a con of being two entrepreneurs in a relationship that sometimes we get so involved in the business, we kind of forget like the passion and lose the passion a little bit because it becomes work. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's for the lighthearted. Like if you don't like business and you just want money, you could probably just get a high paying job that makes a couple hundred K a year, even more. You could go be a CEO. I think entrepreneurship is <clears throat> sometimes overrated. I think people fall in love with money and they think entrepreneurship is the best vehicle, but it's not always the best vehicle. Cause if you can live a happy life with, you know, less money, just get a great job and your job doesn't have to be what you love. I have plenty of friends who have great jobs. They don't love it, but they love everything else that they get to do. You get to clock out at 4 p.m. and go do what you want. You can go play soccer. You get to go bowling. You get to go out with the friends. And I envy it often. But I think I love winning more. So for me, it's like, yes, that's the con, but the pro is so much bigger because you get to build something that's bigger than yourself and you get to support a team and a mission you get to win and there's a lot of things that go along with that but i think if you're just getting into it and you're going to get in a relationship and you're both going to be running businesses if you guys don't love it it's going to be hard well this is where it ties back to the values because if you don't have the same values and one person is staying up till 11 12 o'clock because they have a meeting and then they can't go get breakfast in the morning it's going to be a really difficult dynamic. And this is why when I read the book, The Defining Decade, about how important your 20s are and how important it is to be in a relationship with somebody that you can see and have a shared vision. But back then, like even when we first started dating, I didn't really take that into so much account, maybe subconsciously, where I'm like, oh, you know, I want, I want someone who's motivated, but it's so much deeper than that now. Yeah. I didn't ever know that I needed someone who was into business too. But I found out. I thought it'd be cool to have someone that's into it, but I didn't know that's what I needed until it kind of played out. So I'm glad we can kind of put it out there for other people because they might need it. But I think it's just, it's just so different for everybody. Like I can never pitch this 
like relationship style because it's just it fits for us. I don't know if it would fit for everybody. So, how do you balance business and relationship? So, I think there's practical tips like balancing our schedule. It's funny because I just said that having an imbalanced schedule is a con, but doing what we can to balance the schedule. So we start. We have our schedules open. For example, a Calendly link. We open them around the same time each day, and we turn them off around the same time each day and on the weekends so that we can spend time together. Um, I think we did a good job of lining up our schedules. We go to the gym at the same time every day. We eat at the same times every day. We even drink at the same times, like coffees. Like Everything's pretty lined up in that. I think that helps a lot because it gives us the time to be a re- in a relationship. Um, I think that's a huge one. I think another one is... Team talks. I was thinking that. So we just started implementing team talks. So this is, for those who don't know, a, I don't know what you call it, a tactic. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's an acronym by Cody Sanchez that she does with her husband. And she just sent out that newsletter. That's the one I forwarded mm-hmm. to you. It is uh, a thing you do at the end of every day with your partner. Um, T would be touch. So you go hold your hand, do something. She says that whenever they are mad at each other, that they just touch one finger. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. E is... Uh, education so like what did you learn today a is admiration or i think it's something else actually but i've been calling it admiration and it's something you admire about the other person and then m is your metrics and metrics are maybe something that bothered you or something that you want to fix or something you want to talk about about the other person but you save it for the team talk at the end of the day and that way you don't have like a fuss up in the middle of the day so you save it for the end of the day it can be difficult we work on it Sometimes we forget that team talks exist. And sometimes my problem is that if something bothers me during the day, I'll just forget about it by the end of the day, <laughs> just not care anymore. So then I, every, every night on metric, I'm just like, nothing. Good night. <laughs> you can't tell by now, Marcos has a way more chill energy than I do. Like I'll remember until the minute our team talk starts. <laughs> we only do the team talks when you have a metric. <laughs> <laughs> every night. No, I'm just kidding. But I think that's been really helpful to find things that's going to work for us. You know, especially like when I was really thinking like, oh, who's the person I want to be with? Like before we started dating, I was really thinking to myself, you know, what's important? Like, what are my important values? What do I look for in a person? And I mean, just being able to communicate and have those kind of conversations, like not every relationship is open to that. So I think communication has been huge for us. And Also, you have to communicate with your team. You have to communicate in your business. So a lot of the skills that we have in business have transferred to our relationship for the better. Yeah, it's always, it's just like micro adjustments. So like even little things, right? Uh, Eating at restaurants that one person doesn't want to eat at anymore. And then you just sacrifice and you make the adjustment. Um, Little things like that. We switched to black coffee together because... Mm -hmm. I just wanted to switch to black coffee. So we did it, like switch to black coffee, like little things like that, right? Um, If you just make micro adjustments, it's just like a business. You get 1% better every day. Mm -hmm. So if you get 1% better every day, then your relationship gets 1% better. You can just make micro adjustments because nobody's perfect. You'll probably be working on it forever. (laughs) This is a good one. How do you help each other stay motivated when one is less motivated? I don't know if it's motivation, really. It's more so just reminding the other person of the goal. Right, like, what is your goal? Because, I mean, we both have had moments where it's like we just want to give it up, like we're done, want to quit, and 
neither of the other person has ever been, no, you can't quit. We're both open to it. We're just like, if you want to quit, then quit. Like, if you don't love it, you don't love it. And that's okay. But remind yourself of what the actual goal is, right? Like for, for you, it's like, I remember, like you want to help people and you want women to, you know, win and you want all of these things. So this is that vehicle. And if that's what you really love, then you wouldn't quit. But if you don't love it, then quit and do something else. I won't judge you. And you've done the same to me. You've been like, you can close everything and start over and I'll still love you. And I'm like, cool. So I'm not going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, we're open. We're not like harsh on the other person when it comes to motivation. So it's not really motivation. It's just support. I also think discipline plays a factor. And I think we've realized that through our health journey. Like when we came to Bali, we were really serious about getting personal trainers and eating better. So like even situations of like, should we order dessert? I think having the other person back to the shared values and the why, it's easy to make those decisions when you look at the bigger picture in mind. Yeah, true. That's it. That's all I have for that one. (laughs) How do you find space from each other when living together? It's an easy one, I guess. And, you know, I feel like we have the means to do it, which is a big win for us. When we lived in New York City, we didn't live together. So we had separate apartments, all the space in the world. We only saw each other when we were free for the most part. So we actually had to find time to like work in the same space together in New York because we wanted to co-work today, right? So that was easy. I'd say now the simple answer is we got a three-bedroom villa so that our offices are separate. And the way our villa is set up is that all of the rooms are detached from each other. So each room is a standalone. Our, we don't even have connecting walls in our offices, so we couldn't hear each other if we wanted to. Um, so, I mean, we wake up together. We have coffee together. Bye. <laughs> and we go and, like, <laughs> we go our separate ways and we work until... 9.30, we go to the gym, breakfast, and then we'll have our day sometimes. Like some days we want to work throughout the day. I'd say most days we want to work throughout the day. So we'll just go work and then we get back together. And we'll have lunch. And like if we want to do something in between, we'll do something in between. Get a massage, go to the beach, go to the store, then dinner. You hate going to the store. I know, but you go to the store. <laughs> you <laughs> I have to do whatever you do. It's running errands, but I don't drive the scooter here because the one time I tried to drive it, I fell off of it. So the only way for me to go to the store is like get a Gojack, which is like a Uber scooter or force him to go. And like, I don't know, someone needs to let me know on Instagram if your man hates errands too, or it's just me. Yeah. When we move back to America, we will have boundaries. (laughs) I don't like going to the store. I think it's a waste of time. But yeah, I think boundaries are easy for us because we, I guess, because we can afford a three bedroom villa. Um, so I guess we don't really have the right, a good answer for that because we didn't live together and then we have separate office space. Mm-hmm. So like maybe save until you can get a three bedroom. <laughs> I don't know. What so right. that's Marcos's answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think my answer is knowing when you need space. Like, I think there's some times where you don't know you need space from the other person. So you'll just ignore it and you'll just try to fix it or you'll try to force something. 
And instead, you should just walk away and let it dissolve and let it fizzle. Like the team talk, for example, right? Don't say the thing in the heat of the moment. Something we started talking about is saying like, I'm activated right now or I'm triggered right now. I I don't want to have a conversation. And it's true though, because when you're coming from that place, it's not healthy and you're going to say things you don't mean and then you're going to regret it. So I think it's knowing when you need space and giving the space. I have never said I'm activated or triggered. You I can, say that. You say it. Regardless if you don't want to say it or not, I'm saying I it. don't say I'm activated right now. <laughs> I'm not as, I'm not as, I don't even know what the word for it Emotionally is. in tune. That's not the word for it. I don't say I'm activated. <laughs> I just simply ignore it and then save it for later. But you can say I'm activated. Activate and do whatever you want. <laughs> activate a new question. <laughs> <laughs> And this is the true dynamic where it's like, I think this is, this is what balance is being different. Do you think we're opposite? hundred percent. Why? Because everything's opposite. But why? I think like, we why share, we? we share values and then every part of our personality is opposite. I'd How? say the only thing that might not be opposite is we're both pretty silly. I guess that's the word. I don't know what other word that would be. Energetic sometimes. Like no, we, it's silly. Is it silly? I guess we're both pretty silly and like life like we don't take i guess you kind of take things seriously but yeah we are opposites <laughs> we have the same values and we like the same things and we have all the same interests for the most part outside of like a few but we have different personalities mbti said so bti and mbti what's that the personality test uh what is your personality infp and, and i'm enfj i think enfj enfj yeah, so you're extroverted and I'm introverted and many other things. Do you think that supports our relationship being different? Yeah. It'd be tough to be with another person who's an introvert who doesn't say things. Like you, we need that dichotomy, that yin and yang. We never get anywhere. We <laughs> kind of push and pull and we find like the equilibrium because of the fact that we're opposites. Right? Mm -hmm. What's my superpower? Your superpower, mm -hmm. speaking up, asking questions, but not being afraid and getting what you want regardless what anyone thinks. That's mine. Ground, groundedness, is that a word? No, I don't know. Balance, your ability to not take things seriously and really care about the people that you love. Like you are one of the most caring people in the whole world. Thanks. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Do you have any questions for me? Is that what it was? No. Oh. Because there's only one more. So I want to make sure we touch any questions or actually anything you want to touch upon before we go into the last question. I got nothing. Chase your dreams, kids. <laughs> Please listen to my podcast. This is our podcast now. What's the question? How did you prepare to move abroad together? It's a good question. Um, we prepared for months. I mean, practically, I got rid of a lot of things. I sold a lot of stuff. Pretty much sold anything that I had that was brand or designer, right? Like I, I would say. 95% of my clothes now are generic. I have 
five of the same white t-shirt, five of the same black t-shirt. <laughs> Sorry. What? I'm thinking of the Casio watch. <laughs> she thinks I bought a fake watch, even though it's at a real Casio store. That's what I mean. <laughs> I bought it. It was gold. It's gold colored and it rusted after the first day. And then the warranty doesn't cover rust. So exactly. It. It's fake. I could probably, it's not fake. It's not gold. It was, it's a gold colored watch. Thank you, going. Anyways, I have this watch now, which she bought for me. Anyways. Ooh, we have to talk about love languages after. Okay. What was the original question? How did we prepare to move abroad together? Right. I sold most of my stuff. I live out of a suitcase and a half now. Um, that was a big one. Bought a laptop because I was I was working off my PC, my gaming PC. Like my big PC. And some junk little computer. I had like a... I had a huge gaming PC, <clears throat> really expensive one, Ehrman Miller chair, you know, big desk. I had the brand new, like, sick monitor. I had, like, the sickest setup, couch, bed. I mean, I gave up. I pretty much gave a lot of stuff away to the new tenant of my old apartment. And then I sold a lot of the clothes that were, like, expensive branded stuff. And then I would say, yeah, I pretty much just learned how to use a laptop in the last like two months that we were together, I started working at coffee shops and it's funny. I didn't even realize it, but I was kind of like training for digital nomad life, working out of coffee shops and stuff, which didn't actually do anything because now we just have offices. We again. never do that. We never work out of coffee. I've worked out of a coffee shop twice. I've never even done it here. I think I did it like once. Cause Oh no, we did it once when the power went out. That was it. And then I did it once at Clove yeah. because I just wanted to. And I wrote like two threads and then I left. What about you? I would say we prepared by, we talked about it a lot. Like when we, I actually remember the first conversation we had around it was you were not on board to do digital nomad life at all when I really wanted to do it. And then one day you just came around, like something came in the air. I remember your friends were visiting. We were on the subway and you're like, maybe we should just move to Bali. And we looked up cost of living in Bali and it said 800 to $2,000 a person, depending on how much you want to spend. And we started talking about it. And you're the kind of person that when you get an idea, you like start to really like that idea and want to keep going. Like when you want to do some solo travel who want to do Bali. So I think the more that we talked about it, the more other things came up, like, where am I going to live? What's so funny? Should we tell them about Guatemala? Yeah. <laughs> this is funny part. <laughs> I wanted to travel. I wanted to get out of my apartment because it was a month to month lease. And this is what I mean by when you have an idea and you like can't see any other way, but the idea once you realize you want to do it. She got me into digital nomad life. My lease ended one month before her lease or two months before your mm -hmm. lease. And I didn't want to keep paying for my lease because I was like, all right, I'm going to go in on the digital nomad. I'm just going to get out of here. But I also didn't want to move home with my parents for too long. So my middle ground was like, I'll just take a month off and I'll go digital nomad solo in Latin America. Because for anyone who's on the Twitter side, there's a lot of Twitter um, ghostwriting. There's like a big Twitter ghostwriting community in Latin America, Panama, Colombia, Guatemala, etc. So I was like, all right. I'm going to take it a month and I'm going to go to Guatemala or somewhere in South America. <laughs> you were so, you did, she supported it so heavy. She's like, do it, do it. That's so cool. Cause you love, we're big proponents of solo travel. I think it's great. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I started looking up Airbnbs and then she realized I was serious <laughs> and she cried. <laughs> Why'd you cry? Because this is what I'm talking about, that I'm emotionally in tune. 
<laughs> but why'd you support it if you didn't support it? Because <laughs> I supported it until I realized we were going to be apart for a month. But I did say, like, if you really want to do it, I would so support you. But, but the, the first, like, <laughs> three or four months of our relationship was long distance. Like, I lived in New Hampshire and you lived in New York City. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I was in the military for the first year and a half of our relationship. And I went away for two, three weeks at a time, multiple times. <laughs> So like for, for that to be a big deal is so random. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that that's how we prepared, and then we just kind of left. It was we kind of jumped in like head first into digital nomad life, but I had already been familiar with digital nomad life so like many many years ago. So I already knew about Bali. It wasn't like a new place. It wasn't like oh we're traveling to a random place. Um, so and I know many people who are digital nomads. So it wasn't like a a big culture shock. It was just more of like a location shock. What's your love language? Physical touch and acts of service. I think acts of service is probably number one for you now. What do you think? Do you think it's changed since we've been dating? Yeah. I think once you move in together, it's like things change. So like acts of service are definitely a big one. I think we do a good job of splitting up one, splitting up responsibilities, and two, like doing each other's love languages. So my love language is gifts. But do you still not like gifts? I don't even know. I'm indifferent. I don't really love receiving gifts. I like giving gifts for the most part. You don't like receiving gifts. Yeah. It's not that I don't like it. It just doesn't doesn't really give me like the same like glittery feeling that it would give someone that likes receiving gifts. Well, I also think that you don't really like things. That's the you problem. You like experiences. Yeah. Well, that's like, yeah, maybe it's just that I don't like things because when you got me Arsenal tickets, that was like an amazing feeling. I love that because it's Arsenal. It was also the first time I ever got to see Arsenal and the first time I've ever left America outside of like Mexico. So that was a big deal. But you can't replicate that again. Like you can't replicate first time going to Europe and first time seeing Arsenal ever again. So that's why, you know what I mean? How kind of that's out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. Do you think I can ever give you a gift that's better than that? Because now I feel like I can't. Probably not. I'll have to think on this one for a while. Maybe as I'm older and I get new, I'll get new hobbies. <laughs> you said last year I gave you the worst birthday gift. You did. She took me to this Korean barbecue that was mid. And then she's like, I have a surprise. We're going to karaoke. Like, I hate karaoke. <laughs> she likes karaoke. And then she's like, we're going to do wine and churros. I'm like, that's fun. And we just didn't. We didn't go. Why didn't we go? We didn't do wine and ch- I love red wine. And I like I like churros. They're good. But I love red wine. I thought it was a great gift. And we just didn't. And then you were like, we're going to karaoke. And then all the karaoke bars were closed. So then we didn't even do karaoke. We just left. <laughs> like, I wanted to see a movie, I guess. So you owe me two birthdays. Yeah, so this year will be two birthday gifts, but... I hope no one takes this, like, over serious. Like, what a shitty girlfriend. Oh yeah, my back. I don't think yeah, they took it serious, a, but I joke. appreciate that. It's funny, though. It was funny. I think this is our true dynamic where it can be, like, so serious and it can flip the switch so quickly. Do you feel like that, too? Yeah, I think it's just, like, be serious when you want to get serious. Like, I learned that at basic training in the Army. It's like... Just be serious when it's serious. It's like drill sergeants will like flip a switch. If anyone's been in the military, like your drill sergeant will be all buddy-buddy with you and flip a switch. 
and they're serious. But it's the same thing at war. It's like you're, who you are at war is much different than who you have to be at home with your kids and your wife. So it's, you have to have that cut in the middle. You have to have two personas. So I think it's the same for business and relationship. If it's business, you have business. And then if it's anything else, you can be anyone else. But I think you have to kind of be a different person because you have to just be full logic, you know? I want to flip the switch a little bit here. So for all the women listening, probably boss babe, CEO, high achieving women energy, what advice would you give to them to finding a man that's going to support that? Because I think that is like huge for me and I want to hear it from your perspective. I think you need a man who's more boss than you. Like I You're think, more boss than me? I think so. Like you need someone <laughs> like outside of business, you know? Like I'd say in business, of course. But outside of business, you need someone who's like definitive. Someone mm-hmm. who's like at the end of the day, someone that's gonna step up and like take that role. Mm-hmm. Because and I don't have a ton of evidence, but I have us and I have like for you is like you can go and be your feminine whenever you want. And I'm like there to be the man for you, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to just be like the feminine in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would work personally. Um, but everyone's different. But I look at Alex and Layla and it gives me like she, if it's just her and she's in CEO mode, she's taking on that leader. She's the boss mm-hmm. babe role. But if it's just her and Alex, like Alex is still the man of the relationship. Mm-hmm. I look at Cody, Cody Sanchez and her relationship, like her husband's a Navy SEAL. He's the man in the relationship, but outside of their relationship, she's still the boss. She's mm-hmm. the boss babe, right? So it's like, you know, I think you still have to have that dynamic. And I think you actually need it more when you are a boss babe. I think you need that because if you're going to be in boss babe mode in your relationship and your business, it's not, it's going to be difficult because you're like, you always tell me it's like, it's hard to just be the boss all the time. And we actually had this problem when we first started. It's like, and this is maybe before I started my business, but you wanted to just like completely turn off like boss babe mode, CEO mode when it's like outside of business because it's just exhausting to be in it all the time, right, for you. So I think it's important to have a man who can step up and kind of take control of things and make decisions, et cetera. Like for me in my business, I don't even act like a boss. I don't have to because like, it's just like you kind of, the way I treat my business as the CEO is I just kind of command the respect and like, I give them the responsibilities and I give people leeway when they deserve the leeway. I, I kind of learned that from the military. You set out your responsibilities and they get done. I don't care when they get done. I don't care what hours you work. I just care that it's done to a certain level. But I don't need to be like a hammer. You know what I mean? So I feel like we have inverted um, times for those roles. What do you mean inverted? Like I feel like you're the boss. You're like, always in boss CEO mode in your business and then not so much outside. And then I'm the reverse. Like in my business, I'm pretty chill. You can ask my team. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, like I kind of take control of the relationship as much as I can. And like I try to be, you know, do the manly things. (laughs) Except for killing bugs. The spiders here are insane. Yeah, no. I'm the bug killer more often than not. You said you were going to be. I'm good at gauging. Killing the bugs. But I'm good at gauging danger. Like, yeah. Like when that spider was like next to our bed in the cup, I got that one pretty fast. But like the spiders on the wall, it's like, it's not that big of a, you know what I mean? It's not a big risk. Mm -hmm. Like we're out in public. 
and there's a real threat. Like, I'm pretty good at turning my switch on. But, like, to me, the bug's not a big deal. I know it is to you. So I'm working on it. <laughs> I think us Boss Bay women, a lot of my friends I've been talking about it with, about the, uh, quote, pre-housewife era, about women wanting to just chill and settle and relax a little bit more. And I think in our relationship, I've really learned to soften because I felt like I always had to take care of everybody all the time. But for the first time in this relationship, I feel very taken care of. So what would you say from a man's perspective? How can a woman like really lean in and soften, let the man do his thing? You should have to let go of control. It's like, it's hard. It's like a switch, like we said. In the business, you want control of everything. So then you naturally let that bleed into the relationship and want control of everything, right? What, what, what are we doing? What's for, what's for dinner? What's for, what are we doing now? Everything, all the little things. It's hard to explain, but I think for you, and I think maybe when we first were together, it was a little bit harder, but now it's pretty easy. Like, you know how to relinquish control outside of the business. Like, you know, like when we closed the, like when we shut the door on business, it's physical and metaphorical. Like we literally close our office door, lock it and we're done. Right? So it's like, I think relinquishing that control is a big one and then just like getting and let your relationship be its own thing yeah. don't let it bleed because if they start to bleed then things like issues happen and like we still talk about business but we are good at turning it off like if we're at dinner or we're in bed and we're just like we don't want to talk about business we just don't talk about it but if we want to talk about it we'll talk about it so there's nuance so like yeah i think relinquish control and just kind of um you know let it be a normal relationship any final thoughts Where can people find you on Twitter? At it's Marcos Ruiz on all platforms. Twitter, YouTube. I don't use Instagram really, but you can follow <laughs> me. Next time I think we have to do a deep dive on how my Instagram ladies can get over to Twitter. And then me too. Yeah, there's some good um, good content for women starting to pop up on, on Twitter. It's still like, it's still new. But that means it's early. So I should get on it. Yes. To be continued. Thanks for coming on the show.